Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Doesn't feel like this week took forever to get to Friday at all. Only about six or seven years. Jim, good to see you. Thank you for being with us on the Three Martini Lunch today. It finally is Friday. We've got good, bad, and crazy. And no, the crazy is not the new truck or whatever they're calling it from Tesla. That looks like it was made in a second grade craft class, but it'll still cost you forty grand. So, uh, Jim, Greg, it's called the Cybertruck, and you know why? Why? Because people are making fun of it all over cyberspace. <laughs> Sometimes you have to wonder if people roll things out just to see if people will fall for it just because it's got a certain brand name on it. I think that's what's happening now. But uh, Mad Max would have loved that truck. Yeah. And let's observe if you if you're saying I want a car, I want a truck that doesn't look like anything else currently on the market. This is what you're going to get. <laughs> Good times. Elon Musk, I don't know what's happening. Hope you get some help, though. Um, Anyway, on to the good martini now, Jim. And uh, the public impeachment hearings have concluded, at least for now. Who knows whether something else will happen or there will be more depositions behind closed doors. Our crazy martini today could potentially uh, suggest that there's more to come. But as of right now, the public hearings are over. They, They cram them in in a relatively short period of time, basically just over a week. And, of course, uh, Democrats are now feeling pretty good about their shot at impeachment in the House. I had heard from some folks that that was starting to wobble a little until Gordon Sondland said, yes, there was a quid pro quo on the meeting and with uh, investigating Burisma and the 2016 elections. But the question is, will Republicans turn? Yes, it'll probably be an impeachment in the House, but you got to get a lot of Republicans to change their minds in the Senate. And you look for tea leaves on that and you look for Republicans in the House who really don't like Donald Trump, and one of those is Will Hurd. He's a Republican from Texas, on the more moderate side. He's already not running for re-election, partly because he doesn't want to deal with Trump anymore, I'm guessing. But he is on the Intelligence Committee, and uh, he gave his uh, statement yesterday as one of the final people to react to the impeachment hearings. And let's just say he's not inclined to support where the Democrats want to go here. Not at all. But that doesn't mean that he's happy with what the president has done on the issue of Ukraine. Here's a couple of clips. An impeachable offense should be compelling, overwhelmingly clear and unambiguous. And it's not something to be rushed or taken lightly. I've not heard evidence proving the president committed bribery or extortion. I also reject the notion that holding this view means supporting all the foreign policy choices we have been hearing about over these last few weeks. He does want to see a better, more coherent approach to Ukraine, though. I hope that we won't let this very partisan process keep us from agreeing on how a free and prosperous Ukraine is important to the security of the Ukrainian people, the United States of America, and the rest of the world. Jim, if you ain't getting well heard, you're probably not going to get to 67 in the Senate. Yeah, and Will Hurd, uh, for a variety of reasons, was one of the more interesting rising stars in the House GOP for a while. 
I know a whole bunch of conservatives were really disappointed when he made his decision that he wasn't going to seek re-election. Um, he's a really interesting barometer. Also, he worked in the intelligence community. If there's anybody who would uh, have this perspective of this is absolute nonsense, the president should not be meddling in this kind of stuff. Um, you shouldn't be sending the president's lawyer to contact a foreign government to do these sorts of things. We have official channels. Um, you know, the president should not be trashing, uh, you know, career foreign service, career civil service people and all, you know, like all everything lines up perfectly for Will Hurd to be uh, one of the people who go off the reservation on this and say, you know what, you know, but again, he's retiring. Yeah, he might want to run for public office again someday. Um, but Hurd has been pretty openly critical of the president on immigration and various other issues. His uh, district has a lot of both legal and conceivably illegal immigrants in it. And um, Latinos and groups like that, Hurd's a minority. There's all kinds of reasons where he'd be like, you know, this is just not accepted by the president. And again, retiring, there's not like this guy's got to worry about losing his seat or something like that. And he didn't do it. And it's also worth noting that he's not a Sean Hannity type. He's not offering a, this call was perfect. And you know, any of that kind of stuff. He sees, you know, he's very critical of the president. He just says, you know what? This does not reach the threshold to remove a president. And if Will Hurd can't get there, God, who are you going to get there? Certainly you know, in the House, it certainly doesn't. Maybe, maybe, maybe Rooney. You know, I mean, most of the Republicans would be in a swing state who would most sweat a decision like this. No, they lost in 2018. <laughs> you know, the Republicans who are left are generally the safe ones who have much more to fear from voting for impeachment than voting against it. And also, I don't think that this is a pure political calculation on the part of Hurd. I think he means what he says. I think he's, you know, really doesn't like what the president's doing, but this is, um, once you reach for impeachment and removal, you're, you're reaching for a tool that only gets used very rarely in American politics. And I think most people would like to keep it used very rarely in American politics. If this is you know, the American public really disapproves of this so strongly, they'll vote against him in the general election. We don't have that. And so now you look at the Senate. I mean, you know, yeah, Romney certainly is the most critical uh, Republican in the Senate of Trump. Murkowski certainly has no problem deviating from the party line. And, and she's, you know, seems pretty secure. But after that, you know, maybe the retirees here and there. But again, if, if Will Hurd doesn't isn't on board with this, you're right. You're, you're just there just aren't that many gettable votes for Democrats, which means we kind of know how the outcome is going to be in the House. Uh, maybe the more interesting question is how many Democrats don't vote for impeachment. There were two on the start of the inquiry and, you know, could be less, could be more. Um, and, and this and this Senate vote is probably going to be, you know, 90 some percent along party lines. Jim, I don't know if this is a totally accurate parallel because uh, Will Hurd is of a lower stature and it certainly wasn't as, as quite of a dramatic moment. But do you remember 20 years ago when uh, Clinton finally admitted the relationship with Lewinsky and then all we heard was that Joe Lieberman was coming to the floor and nobody knew what he was going to say and ultimately decided what uh, the president did was really, really bad, but it didn't rise to impeachment. And that gave cover for all sorts of other people like Moynihan and Bob Carey and all these other people who were considered to be on the fence to be like, yeah, 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 what he said. And so I don't know if Will Hurd's the, the tipping point for other people on the right who would be on the fence, if there are a lot of others on the fence here. But uh, I'm just wondering if that's similar to that kind of moment. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a very apt comparison um, that Lieberman during the entire, you know, continuing Lewinsky scandal had been the guy most critical of the president, clearly most personally uh, disappointed, maybe even outraged by the president. It's worth knowing there were a bunch of other guys. I think it was, you know, my, my former congressman, Jim Moran, 
who said he wanted to punch, he told Hillary Clinton, I want to punch the president in the nose for what he did. And Hillary Clinton said, please don't do that. Um, but, you know, I mean, Jim Moran's got a, got a history of hitting people. But, uh, but Moran voted against uh, impeachment. So, you know, in the end, you know, there's a question of, and both, like, that's somewhat of an, uh, an apt comparison. You could be really frustrated with the president, really disappointed in the president, really angry at the president, and not necessarily say, hey, I want to take a step that we have not taken so far uh, in United States history. All right. One more bit of good news, Andy, and that is the fantastic deals you can find at 4 slash martini, including their signature offer right now, a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. And of course, free shipping on all orders over $97. You want to be prepared. You don't want to get caught unprepared when your power goes out. It's going to happen eventually. It's just a question of whether you're in the dark for a few minutes, a few hours, or maybe even a few days or more. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X, worth its weight in gold. It's now got double the capacity, and it'll keep your big appliances running, including your fridge, which is full of food that just keeps getting more and more expensive. It's got 12 outlets, including four AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than normal. So visit 4patriots.com slash martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4patriots.com slash martini. That's 4patriots.com slash martini. All right, on to our bad martini now. And there's a little bit of adult language here. So just be careful if kids are around. We talked about the Democratic debate on Thursday. The debate itself was Wednesday night. We focused mainly on Biden's gaffes and what effect they would have, if any, on his ultimate ability to become the nominee. But uh, one of the other things we mentioned in passing, and you tweeted about this quite a bit during the debate, and I even chimed in once, was uh, about how the candidates who aren't considered uh, basically Washington candidates uh, or favorites of the Democratic Party really got left out in the cold. And namely, there were three of them. Uh, Andrew Yang, I don't think, got a question in the first half hour. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard and Tom Steyer were left out there watching for most of the night as well. Uh, And it was fascinating to watch, as and I mentioned this yesterday, they would ask a a few more questions to Cory Booker, who was actually polling worse uh, than, uh, than Yang or Gabbard and was way off on one side. But uh, they just didn't spend a lot of time with them. And when they did, it was on stuff specific to them, like Gabbard focusing on Hillary Clinton and that sort of thing. She got one more encounter with Buttigieg. But uh, Andrew Yang, not happy with how MSNBC handled uh, the time disparity here. This is from uh, the Free Beacon. Apparently, Yang watched a or visited a watch party after the debate, and then he spoke to The Atlantic. And when they asked him uh, what it was like up there, he said it felt great. But then he said, uh, it felt like, when the hell are they going to effing call on me? Yang said, the hypocrisy of MSNBC in a way just makes us stronger. I'm almost grateful. And later in the story, it points out that MSNBC uh, has done this before at a debate. And in a recent poll, they showed uh, a bunch of candidates tied at 3%. And he was also tied at 3%, but he didn't make the graphic. So MSNBC clearly thinks some people belong and some don't. And that's not the way this is supposed to work. No. And a couple of people, you know, asked about what seemed like a contradiction in my assessment and recurring complaints about the Democratic debate. So let me say, I, I think, you know, everybody's had their chance at the kiddie table. Everybody's had their chance to, you know, get a little moment in the spotlight in that first two debates. I think it's perfectly fair to say, OK, it's time for the real candidates. 
And I think the de- I think the threshold for the next debate is an entire four percent, Greg. Four <laughs> percent. Oh my god! And of course, I'm like, how are we going to reach that? This is just so unfair. You know, I'd have it at ten, right? I, I think. Look, the, the nominee is going to be either Biden, Warren, Sanders, or Buttigieg, and all, those are the top four in Iowa, in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, in Nevada, and nationally. The next highest person in any of those places is Kamala Harris at like six point something percent. This thing has been over for, you know, most of these folks don't have a choice. It's been, you know, it's been nice. Here are your lovely parting gifts. Here's a copy of our home game. Go home. I'm Ferris Bueller in his bathrobe at the end saying it's over. Why are you still doing here? That having been said, the DNC has decided that anybody who passed a certain threshold was going to get to participate in the debate. And they did it. And we ended up with 10 people up on the stage earlier this week, which, you know, I didn't like, but hey, that's what they decided. But the problem is that MSNBC is like, mm, nah, <laughs> we, we, we only really think there should be like six or seven. So they'll be there. We're just not going to ask any questions of them for long stretches. And uh, the, the it was particularly egregious for the ones you mentioned. I mean, look, I can't stand Tom Steyer. I don't think he adds anything to it, but he's there. You know, it's ridiculous. Um, Yang is, you know, by comparison, actually, I think you and I and a lot of other conservatives find Yang a really uh, likable, relatable, refreshingly different voice. Might not agree with all of his ideas, uh, but, you know, he talks and he sounds like a normal human being and not somebody who's focus tested uh, every um, possible, you know, answer he could give. Uh, any man who compares the problems in the United States to the condition of the New York Knicks is a guy who uh, is like, okay, I, I like this guy. He, he's got his finger on the pulse there. Um, and clearly, I think they didn't ask him anything for the first half hour. Uh, and of course, they didn't turn to Tulsi Gabbard. I think Tulsi Gabbard got one question and exchange in the first hour. Yeah, and that was only to tee up Kamala Harris. It was yeah. obvious that was coming. Um, and so this was ultimately, like, look, if you're going to have 10 candidates, like, of course you're going to have a slight disparity in who gets the most questions. That's fine. And, of course, it's going to be the most interest in what the front runners are doing because there's a lot more higher stakes when Joe Biden begins an answer, for obvious reasons, not just his own problems with gaps. There's going to be a lot more at stake when he gives an answer than compared to when Tom Steyer does. That having been said... You know, if you only if, if, NBC, if, if MSNBC only wants six or seven candidates on the debate, then when they're negotiating with DNC, they could say, you know what, we're only going to have six or seven candidates on the debate. By the way, one of the re- ratings were very low for this last debate. And one of the, the reasons, I think, is I think the format stinks because part in part because let's say you're you're really interested in what Cory Booker says. By the way, I think Cory Booker's had a bunch of good debates. Cory Booker speaks in most of these debates about once every 15 minutes or so. There's no real exchange of ideas between the candidates other than very rare occasions. Uh, candidates, not every candidate gets to jump in on every issue. Look, I think honestly, the, the, the experience has taught us five or six candidates is where you start to max out. After seven, it just starts to be too many. So that's who you should probably eventually want to reduce this to. But then the DNC has to take the, the, the flack that's going to come from saying, you know what, major candidates only. I'm sorry, folks, you've had a really long time to get into this. If you're not in double digits, you're not, in the, you're, you're, you're not in the game. And oh, by the way, like in Iowa, you have to get 15% to get any delegates. So I don't understand why it's ludicrously unfair to have this kind of threshold for a debate, but it's totally hunky-dory to have this kind of threshold for taking any delegates from the Iowa caucuses. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch-ch-ch-chumba. Chumba.com. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No All right. Let's get on to our crazy martini now and potentially back to impeachment. Uh, if you watch the non Fox uh, cable news channels, you all know that there's one witness they really, really, really want to get before Adam Schiff's committee, but it's not likely to happen, at least at this point. And that's former U.N. ambassador and, more relevantly, uh, the former national security advisor, John Bolton. And uh, John Bolton has a book deal in the works, and he's also back on Twitter, and he's offering some teases just this morning, Friday morning. Glad to be back on Twitter after more than two months. For the backstory, stay tuned. Dot, 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 dot. And then later he says, we have now liberated the Twitter account previously suppressed unfairly in the aftermath of my resignation as national security advisor. More to come. Dot, dot, dot. So, Jim, uh, plenty of intrigue there. I know there is some sort of embargo about how soon you can do media when you leave an administration, or at least that seems to be the case. I don't know if it's unique to Trump. And the fascinating part here, of course, in addition to that, which is also crazy, is how the left, which hates John Bolton, they think he's this uh, evil mustachioed warmonger that only wants to blow up Iran and Iraq and Syria and all these other places. Uh, But as soon as he might turn on President Trump, which it seems like he's pretty upset with President Trump, sir, it's your patriotic duty to do this. Uh, We know that you can put country above party. But if you don't, you're just a book-selling coward. So this should be fun. You know, Greg, after a lot of times, the predictions along these lines have not panned out as he wanted or as he expected. We can now say that John Bolton and his allies have finally been greeted as liberators. (laughs) For anyone not remembering, that was some of the predictions about how the U.S. would be greeted in Iraq. It didn't quite go that way. So two interesting things going on here. The first, because somebody who had asked me the other day, like, all right, so John Bolton clearly left on bad terms, had some vehement disagreements with the president, reports of, you know, shouting matches. But you, you'd think, well, you know, why isn't Bolton just, you know, running to Capitol Hill and kicking down the door and, you know, saying, oh, you think you heard dirt about Trump? Let me tell you that, you know, because there is clearly no love lost between President Trump and John Bolton. The explanation that makes the most sense to me is that John Bolton is an institutionalist. Whether or not you think executive privilege should cover all of this, executive privilege exists. And it generally, under the the broad, once bipartisan consensus, you know what, the president of the United States should be able to get advice from everybody on his team. And that stuff should remain secret because we want the people giving the president their very best advice. We want them giving the president their honest opinion, even if it's unpopular, even if it's something that if it was revealed to the public would make this person uh, unpopular or hated or, or anything like that. And, you know, very broadly, most Americans, I think, would agree with this, at least in the, in the general sense. Um, the question is, where do you draw the line? What, what is covered by executive privilege and what isn't? And traditionally, presidents have tried to, because it's never quite been laid out that the limits and the specifications by the Supreme Court, most presidents don't want to push their luck. They generally only invoke it when they're absolutely certain that a court is definitely going to have their back. You may recall President uh, Obama invoking it for some documents regarding Eric Holder and Fast and Furious. And this is where things started getting into a gray area. And of course, once President Trump comes to office, man, they, they use executive privilege like it's coming out of a Pez dispenser. 
Um, it's like peanuts or popcorn. You can only eat what it's very hard to eat, to, to eat just one. They invoke executive privilege all the time. You know, Bolton has stuff that definitely would be relevant to the impeachment hearings, but he's not testifying. There's argument whether they want to uh, issue a subpoena. And here's the thing. John Bolton knows a lot, but it also is probably the sort of stuff that a president could legitimately invoke executive privilege on. But then again, wait a second. Does it cover it if the issue is whether the president committed a crime? Which value is more important there, the value of the public being informed or the protection of executive privilege to ensure that future presidents will have secure conversations in the future? Um, my understanding is that the House Democrats did not push for this. And so now, you know, Bolton is kind of in this uh, in, in this limbo, in this situation in which they're probably Democrat. House Democrats probably don't want to have this fight. It probably would take a very long time to litigate. Um, you'd end up with, uh, it, you know, probably wouldn't make that much of a difference in the final votes on impeachment anyway. But the other question is, all right, what does John Bolton know? What does what is John Bolton willing to say? What is there, you know, things he thinks that the public should know uh, that he doesn't think would be properly covered by executive privilege? Um, the lesson of this, by the way, is that if you have a Twitter account and you get a government job, keep your original Twitter account separate from your official one. And your official one you can do for official press releases and happy talk and all that kind of stuff. And keep your personal one where you can put pretty much anything you want in that short of like classified information or, or something that offends the people who manage Twitter, of course, because then they'll be banned. But then generally this is a situation where, you know, A-M-B-J-O-N-B-O-L-T-O-N. Who owns that? Well, the argument of the administration was, we own it because it's your official one. And Bolton's like, well, no, I, I had that one before. Now, John Bolton has his Twitter account yet, and we're all just on the edge of our seat saying, what is the walrus going to say next? <laughs> we'll be uh, fascinating to learn what he's willing to say here when and if he ever says it, whether it's in the book or, or sooner than that. Looks like, uh, looks like it might happen on Twitter, but uh, not sure what he means exactly by stay tuned. So... Jim, with that cliffhanger, we head into the weekend. Good luck to your Jets. Good luck to the Bears. But it doesn't really matter anymore. See you. See you <laughs> Monday. And by the way, for listeners that uh, fan, who are fans of the Oakland Raiders, the New York Giants, you're probably thinking, wait, does this mean that Jim and Greg want bad luck to come to my teams? <laughs> Rest assured, <laughs> listeners. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> Jim, see you Monday. See you Monday, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thank you so much for joining us on the Friday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Just a quick reminder to subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Also, if you'd love to leave us a great review, we would appreciate that very, very much. Have a fantastic weekend. And join us again for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.